Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. So we're in this series, um, two-part series. Um, Clyde is on sabbatical this month, getting some much-needed rest. And like I said last week, God put a kind of a four-part series on my heart, and it's titled Here I Am. And we're going to look at different characters in the Bible that God called, and they responded with three simple words, here I am. And I talked about last week, if we're honest, hearing God's voice can be a tricky deal. It can be confusing. Um, Sometimes it feels like God's not out there, he's not listening, he's not speaking to us, and I'm hoping today that we'll unpack that a little bit, that that we'll clear that up from up here. Um, so in high school, guys, I was um, I was the kid that looked awesome on the outside. Football player, um, good student, everything was going well for me on the outside, but inside was a completely different story. I went to church all growing up. I was the Sunday school king. Um, I memorized all the Bible verses. I won all the Awana awards, but inside there was still something that was missing still longing in my heart that was not satisfied. And I thought that I could get that filled with other things. I thought I could get that filled with relationships and with girls. I thought I could get that filled with being the best athlete and everybody knows my name. I thought I could do that with getting the the, the most friends at school where I was popular. I thought if I get those things, it'll fill the longing in my heart. And what I found out was, six long years of middle school and high school where it just wasn't working. Nothing seemed to click. I would show up to church on Sundays, everything was great. And the rest of the week, I was a mess. But I hit it really well. And I remember senior year comes by, I've already graduated, and I remember meeting these these college kids at at my high school. And at first, I'm like, why? Why are there college kids hanging around the high school? That's a little weird, right? It's a little strange, um, but I, as I got to know them, I find out that they were these um, Young Life leaders, and if you're not familiar with Young Life, it's an outreach ministry that introduces teens to Jesus, it's awesome, and I remember I was at a girls' soccer game one time, and, and one of the leaders was there, and we started talking, we started hitting it off, and we had a lot of things in common, but what struck me about this guy is that he was different. Something was, he didn't look like he had that emptiness feeling that I had. He looked like he was happy. He looked like he had joy. And I remember going to Young Life a few times and and hearing about Jesus. I've heard about Jesus my whole life. I'm like, yeah, I've heard this. But there was still something about that leader that I couldn't understand. And I remember as as it was after graduation, my leader came up to me and he's like, Joe, we, we don't have a place to have a Bible study this summer. Can we use your house? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And. We used my basement, and I remember the first night that we had a Bible study at my house, God changed the trajectory of my life forever. I remember my leader was speaking on, if you want to grow closer to God, you can't ride the fence. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in his kingdom. If, if, if we think that we're doing that, we're actually two feet in the world. And he shared this verse that if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. And that night, God convicted me in 
and said, Joe, the reason you're not living for me is because you have a big sin problem in your life. I remember going to my room that night, and I had prayed a prayer hundreds of times growing up. God, save me from my sins. God, save me from my sins. I don't want to go to hell. And that the first night was when I truly, that night was when I finally repented and said, God, I know that what I'm doing that you're not cool with. I have to repent. I have to leave this behind. Guys, a lot of times we forget that the gospel is repent and believe. We just think, oh, I believe in Jesus. Everything's great. Going to heaven. There has to be a turning, guys. There has to be saying, hey, I'm leaving my old, my, my past, my sin behind. And I remember three weeks later, I get to, um, I just started a job. I was working at a kid's camp for a summer. It was awful. Um, it was basically daycare for the whole day, babysitting. And I'm like, I thought this was going to be fun. This is, you know, kids hanging on you in the pool. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, every single day for the whole summer. And I'm like, this is going to be a long summer before college. And I remember we're at another Bible study in my basement, and my leader says, hey, we leave for Young Life Camp in two days. You're going to be on that bus. We have two And I remember, I'm like, I just started work a week ago. There's no way my boss is going to let me go off to this camp. He's like, just call, call her right now and try. I'm like, okay. So I call her up, and I said, hey, I know this probably isn't going to work, but please just, if if I could go to this camp, that'd be great. And she's like, yeah, we'll get somebody to fill in for you. And I'm like, okay, that was easy. Um, and I remember as we got on that bus and we drove 12 hours to this camp called Saranac Lake in New York, I remember God was going to do something in my life that I never forgot. I remember getting there to this camp. This place was beautiful. Kids that I never thought loved were there. And I remember God blew my mind that week. He showed me so much of himself. I remember sitting in a kayak looking around at the mountains. I'm like, God, you made this. You still love me more than your creation. And I remember at the end of the week, my best friend um, Joe got on the bus with me. We were two seniors, the only two seniors on the trip, last two on the bus. I remember as we're sitting in the room at the end of the week and people were standing up and saying, hey, I, I accepted Christ. My life is different. I remember seeing hundreds of kids stand up. They passed the mic around. And one of them was my best friend, Joe. And I knew in that moment, God whispered something into my heart where he said, Joe, you're going to do this, what your leader did for you. How you've, how you've been changed by me, how you've been saved by me, and how you've enjoyed this amazing life. You're going to go and do that for other people. And I didn't know what that looked like. Seven, eight years later of that moment, guys, I'm telling you, if you let God use you, it's the most incredible, amazing life you'll ever have. But what's happened in church, guys, is we've had this amazing, we had these salvation experiences where you remember, oh, that's when I was saved, that's when I did this, I felt bad for my sin, I trusted God. But we've taken the mission of God, made it a separate thing. We've said, I can be saved and sit in the sit in a church pew and just keep doing the same thing every week, but this part over here is optional. And it's not. One of the greatest tragedies in churches is that we bridge these two things called conversion and discipleship, and we said they're two different things, and they're not. In 
God is wanting to use you, if you're in this boat today where it's like, man, I, I accepted Christ, but nothing really has been different. He's wanting to use you today in his mission. And the crazy thing is the reason we don't sit over here in this place and we hear from God and we live for God is because we've, had, we've constructed hundreds of excuses on why I'm not fit for that. Excuse after excuse. And we're going to read about this guy named Moses today. And Moses had tons of excuses. So if, if, if we're all in that boat this morning, we're in good company. So we're going to look about how, does, how do we get past our excuses today? How does God bigger than our excuses? So we're going to stand today. We're going to read a little bit of Exodus chapter 3. along with me. It says, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw the bush was on fire, but it was not. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord God saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Do not answer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. You have a seat. So here's here's a little backstory about Moses. Moses was an Israelite who grew up in the Egyptian household. He was saved from a bad Pharaoh that was trying to kill all the Israelite firstborn sons, and he actually was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And he's in the palace. He's at the top. And one day he goes out and he sees that all the Israelite people were enslaved and they were being um, harshly treated. They were worked. They're being worked to death. And one time he saw this and just beating um, this Israelite over and over and over again. And Moses took matters into his own hands. Killed the Egyptian. He killed him. And he hit him in the sand. He thought, nobody's going to find out about this. But as we know, we can't really hide anything from God or from other people. And Pharaoh caught word of it. And he was coming for Moses, and he was going to kill him. And Moses fled to the wilderness. And he's been in the wilderness now for 40 years. 40 years. He's been shepherding this flock from his father-in-law for 40 years. And God is about to show up in his life. So guys, you might be in a wilderness season today where you haven't heard from God for 40 years. He's about to show up. It says this in in verse, it says, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding his flock. We read about that. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but not consumed. Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't this bush burning up? So there's like this little brush fire 
that he's probably seen before, but it's just continuing to go. This this bush is not burning up, and all of us would be like, okay, something's, something weird's going on here. I'm going to go take a look at this anomaly that, that he saw. Here's what it says in verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. How many of you guys would be freaked out if a bush talked to you today? Yeah. You just walk by your house and Jay, Jay, or Paul, Paul, and you just be like, whoa, right? But you know what it's crazy? It says when Moses drew in, it says when the Lord saw that he drew in, God spoke to him. A lot of us guys, we're waiting so much. We're just sitting there and we're hoping God will just speak to us and speak to us and speak to us. Maybe he's asking us to draw closer to him today, to hear. And when God sees us, sees us draw near, he says, Moses, Moses. And all Moses can say is, here I am. He said, don't come closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy ground. So guys, God wants us to draw close to him. But as we see in the Old Testament, there was a line that you couldn't cross. There was a holiness marked about God that you couldn't step into. And whenever we experience God's holiness and his, and his greatness and his vastness, it says, take off your, your sandals. That was a sign of respect. This is a holy place. And he says who he is. I'm the God of your, of your, of your fathers. And it says, Moses was afraid look at God. God. Guys, I know that there's some of us today, and we all have a past. Raise your hand if you have a past. If you didn't raise your hand, you do have a past. Um, but guys, when our sin is confronted by a holy God, we feel the shame, we feel the guilt, we don't, we don't feel worthy to be in God's presence. When we're con- when, when we come up to that holiness line, we, we just feel unworthy. We feel like our past is too much. But you know what the crazy thing is, guys? In the Old Testament, Yahweh was, a, was God who said, I want you to come to me, but there's a, there's a place where you can't go any farther. I'm just creation. There we go. I'm distinct from creation. But you know what's crazy, guys? Jesus, when he sacrificed himself on the cross, when he was the perfect sacrifice for us, that line was no more. We are now able to go into the Holy of Holies and draw near to God. And we read that every Sunday, and I don't think we understand that. We can go directly into God's presence now because of Jesus. Moses is rightfully afraid. He's He's, he's fearful. He has a past. He murdered a guy, and he's been thinking about it for 40 years. And in verse 7, it says, The Lord said, I've observed the misery of my people in Egypt, and they've, I've heard them crying because of their oppressors. I know about their suffering, and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. Bring them to the land of good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, 
the territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, all the different ites. So to me, I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh, and you're going to lead my people out of Egypt. God wants to use Moses, the shepherd that's been 20, 40 years out of Egypt in the wilderness, killed a guy, and he says, I want to set these people free, and I'm going to use you. Now go. Moses didn't have time to train. He didn't have time to go to seminary. He didn't have time to go to Sunday school for four years and do the gospel project. Moses, God's saying, I'm going to use you. Get ready on the way. Let's go. And guys, Jesus is wanting to use us who are freed from our sin to help people be freed from their sin through his power. Just like Moses was going to lead the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, into a free land that was spacious, God is calling us to share about his amazing grace with people who are still in slavery and show them about the land of goodness that he's brought us to. So God is bigger than our past, guys. He was not limited by Moses' past, his, his mistakes, failures. I don't know what you've done today, but God still wants to use you. God doesn't care so much about your past. He wants your future, and he wants you right now. He died for your past. Here's the, here's the first excuse that Moses has. Moses asks God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That's a good question. God, why am I worthy? I, I don't deserve, I, I, I'm not getting what you're saying, God. You, you want to use me? And here's the crazy thing, guys. When, when we've been changed by Jesus, God has given us a new identity. He says we're saints. And when I say that, that sounds a little weird. But if we are truly in Christ, God has made us holy by his holiness. So he says we're saints now. But I think a lot of us live in, I'm still a sinner. I'm still a mess. I'm still broken. God can never use me. But if you truly belong to Jesus, you're a saint. You have a new identity. The lies that Satan wants to whisper about who you are are no more. And we need truth to believe that. God's bigger than your identity crisis. He answers, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I'm the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. When Jesus um, was commissioning his disciples before he left earth, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. You'll be my, make disciples. You'll be my witnesses. And he says, I will be with you until the end of the age. How is Jesus going to be with us if he's in heaven right now? because he sent his spirit to live inside of you. Can you guys, if you, um, I think we have the verse, it's in John. This is Jesus talking before he's about to leave the earth. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father who will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and get this, guys, he will be in you. 
the God that we couldn't approach because of his holiness has now put his spirit inside of you. God living in you. And we just read that like it's no big deal. If you belong to Jesus, God has put his spirit in you. He will be with you forever. Wow. But that wasn't enough for Moses. In verse 13 it says, If I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What should I tell them? God's, I, I really don't know who you are. So how can I tell them who you are? And guys, I think a lot of us, we, we put God in this super small box. And we think that he's somebody that we can just slip into our pocket and we're good. And we just keep walking through our day like nothing's different. Guys, this is the God. This is who he, what he says to Moses about who he is. This is his name. I am who I am. Mic drop. I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. I've always been. I created the world. Look around at these mountains. I created them. I created you. I'm not subject to this, this earth like you are. I'm outside of it. He said, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is how I'm to be remembered in every generation. Guys, I think... One of the excuses we have about going and being in the mission of God is we forget how huge God is. And we let our limited understanding of him keep us from living out his mission. Uh, When I first started working here, um, I had a youth meeting. It was like maybe two weeks after moving to Texas. And I wanted to meet all the youth leaders. And um, I remember going in and I was asking them what, what have you guys done in the past? Um, what's worked? What's not worked? And um, and then I kind of shared what my vision was going to be for the youth group, what I saw the direction of our, ch- our church and our youth group going. And I remember there was this one leader, and this person doesn't go to this church anymore, so I can share this story. Um, not going to say their name. But the leader, after I, share all, I get done sharing all this stuff, says, actually, um, can you just send us a text uh, of everything we're going to do so we don't really have to have meetings? Um, I'm kind of busy for that, right? I think you should just do this. We've done this in the past. It's worked. We'll get through with it. And in my mind, I'm like, who do you think you are? What? Everything I just said, you're like, now nah, we're going to do this. And I think a lot of times, guys, when somebody tells us to do something, What do we internally do? Who do you think you are? What gives you the authority to tell me to do that? And we do it all the time with people. If they share something with you. um, But we we tend to trust people that have a track record and that have the credentials. Like, we're not going to go into a doctor's appointment and we need brain surgery and we're with a foot doctor. Like, I trust you. I think you could figure it out. No, he doesn't have the credentials. He doesn't have the authority to operate on your brain. Guys, God has the authority. He has the track record. He has the credentials. But I think a lot of us, we we forget that. Just rolls off 
just rolls off our back and we just kind of shrug it off like, God, I can't trust you to step out in faith. Look at his track record. Like I said last week, he's never not come through. He goes and he tells Moses, all right, I'm going to give you exactly what you're going to do. He gives him all the instructions. He tells him to go to the elders. They're going to listen to you. You're going to go to Moses. He's not going to listen to you. I'm going to do all these plagues. And then finally, you're going to be free. How would it, do some of us wish God would just give us the next month and just tell us what we need to do and what's going to happen, right? Yeah, he does this for Moses. And here's what Moses says in chapter 4, verse 1. What if they won't believe me and not obey me, but say the Lord did not appear to you? God just said they would believe him. But I think a lot of us guys, like Heron shared, there's some times where the Spirit says, I want you to tell this person about me. And what we start doing is saying, they're not going to listen. I'm going to look crazy. This is going to inconvenience me. I don't, they're not going to believe me, so I'm not even going to take that step. I think a lot of us, God is bigger than our fears and our doubts and our unbelief. We don't think God's going to come through. And he says, all right, Moses, what's in your hand? A staff. So Moses threw the staff down on the ground, and it became a snake. And Moses freaked out. I don't like snakes. That would have freaked me out. He's like, grab it by the tail, and it'll turn back into a staff. So he did it. He said, okay, now put your hand inside your cloak. And he pulled it out, and he had leprosy. He said, put it back in your cloak. Put it back in. His hand was fine. He says, if they don't believe you when you do those two things, even go get some of the Nile, fill it up, pour it out on the sand, it'll become blood. I'm going to give you signs so that they will believe you. Guys, the, one of the most amazing things about having the Spirit inside of you, it says the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. At the very basic level, if we have the Spirit in us, those things are going to start to come from our lives. We don't see the fruits of the Spirit from the world. Look at our world. It's a mess. People hate each other. There's no love. There's no joy. People are miserable. They definitely don't have peace. Nobody has patience. How, how many kind people have you met? many good people. Guys, when we let the Spirit work through us, that's how radically different we're going to look from the world. Somebody should say, man, there's something different about you because you, you're just nice. You love people. Those aren't the things that make you a Christian. Those are the things that are the fruits that should come from your life. After all that stuff, Moses says this. Here's another excuse. Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, either in the past or recently or since I've been speaking to you, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. So Moses says, Lord, I can't really talk. I can't really speak like some people can. In my past, right now, since we've been speaking, you know that my tongue, I'm just not, I'm not cut out for this. And I think, guys, the next thing that we do is we, we doubt and we have the excuse that we're not able. We don't have the ability to be used by God. I can't talk like so-and-so. 
I'm not trained like so-and-so. I'm just not cut out for this. I don't have the ability for this. Here's what the Lord says to him. He said, who placed a mouth on humans? Who placed a, Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. This is the third time God's told Moses to go. Say, Moses, I, I hear that you have a lot of excuses, but you need to go. I made your mouth. I can do it. I have the track record. Um, if we look up on the screen, there's a picture. That's me in college. And, uh, yeah, I know, I don't, this is the best one I got with me and my friend TJ. And um, TJ, I met, he was a junior in high school when I was a freshman at Liberty. And we were working at a camp together, and they assigned a college kid with a high school kid just to kind of be like a mentor once a week, kind of just share life with them. And I remember he, he played football, but he was like 5'4", and he was their nose tackle, right? If you know football, you need a big guy there. He was like the smallest guy on the team, and they put him at nose tackle. Um, and I have a confession to make. I have a hard time judging people by their covers. I size people up sometimes, and I think, you know what? They're not cut out for this, this whole thing. They're not, they can't be used. They have too many limitations. And I remember I was sizing up TJ, and, and TJ was sharing about all these dreams that he had. He's like, I want to go to college. I want to be a Young Life leader. Um, I want to be an area director in Young Life one day. And in my head, I'm just like, dream on, man. I don't know if this is going to happen. It was bad. I, I, I. I had this spirit of me that was like, man, this guy's not cut out for this. And I remember two years later, he shows up at Liberty. I don't even think I talked to him since then. I'm like, oh, my gosh. What are you doing here? He's like, I'm, I enrolled. I'm a freshman. And, and he starts coming to Young Life. He starts becoming a leader. And I saw this guy face adversity after adversity after adversity after adversity. He had a truck that barely worked. He had no money. Um. His whole family were non-believers, so nobody was supporting him and what he wanted to do. And I remember I just saw God use this kid in mighty ways. He wasn't eloquent. He didn't have the abilities. He didn't have the skills, but he was available to be used by God. Guys, God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. He helps you once he calls you. I had no idea seven years later I'd be in a small town Texas as a youth pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to live in a small town. Ask Heather. We had that conversation. She was not happy about that because her dad was a pastor in a small town. That was one of those put your foot in your mouth moments, right? But what I learned about this guy was that he was available and he wanted Jesus to use him. And Jesus did in, in tremendous ways. So guys, wherever you are today, if you're lacking your abilities, if you're like, I'm not cut out for this, you are. Because God is calling you. God wants to use um, un uh, broken people. I think we have a verse coming up after this. It, listen to this. It's in 1 Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful. Not many of noble birth. 
and said, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. I was the wise in that case. TJ was what was foolish in the world, and God has chosen what is weak to shame the strong. And it goes on. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. And if we still have more excuses after this, guys, here's what Moses said. He said, Lord, please, Lord, send someone else. Send someone else. I think a lot of us have gotten to that point with God where we're like, God, just send somebody else that can do it better. And God, but the amazing thing is that God is bigger than our disobedience. He's bigger than our failures. He's bigger when we even say no. It says the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, Isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know he can speak well. And also, he is on the way to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him and tell him what to say. I will help both of you and him to speak and teach both of you what to do. He will speak for the people. He will serve as a mouth for you. You will serve as a God to him. And you take this staff in your hand you'll perform the signs with. Guys, God, Moses is no. God was bigger than his no. And that doesn't mean we just keep telling God no. God is bigger than our disobedience. I mean, if you had an employee that kept telling you no, kept making up excuses, what would you do? See ya, right? He'd be gone. God doesn't, God has so much grace for Moses because he wants to use him. He knows what's going to happen. He has so much grace for you today. If you feel like I've, I've had so many excuses, limitations, shortcomings, your past has haunted you. There's sin in your life that nobody knows about that's so deep that you couldn't, if, if we got up here and, and just started sharing our sin, everybody would be appalled because of what you've done. You believe so many lies. God is bigger than all of that. And the amazing thing is he, he wants to, to bridge this chasm between being saved by God and being used by God. Because there is no chasm in God's economy. Here's the amazing thing, guys, and I'll close. Jesus was the perfect example of obedience. When God spoke to him, he did it. He was completely obedient, even obedient to the point of death on a cross. Why would he be so willing to die? Because he knew that our past, our sin, he knew we were enslaved by it. He knew we were limited. He knew we were afflicted. And Jesus came and he was obedient to the point of death on a cross. Why? Because if, if he gave his life the perfect sacrifice, and we trusted in that, and we followed that, our relationship with God is restored. We can talk to him again. We can be close with him. It's all about Jesus. Jesus heard and obeyed God's voice every single day, every moment of the day, because we couldn't. 
we couldn't do it. So I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you've been saved for a long time. And, but you've never made the step over into here where saying, God, use me. Here I am. I'm following you. Maybe your past and those dark things in your life are, are holding you back. The big excuses. Guys, the amazing thing is God died for your sins, past, present, future on the cross. That thing that you're feeling right now, Jesus already died for it. Maybe you don't know who you are. Maybe God's telling you today that you are holy because I've made you holy. Maybe you have a limited understanding of God. You say, God, I need to see how big you are so that that the trust in you would just be unreal. Maybe you think, what if people aren't going to believe me? Let the Spirit help you in that. Maybe you think, I'm just not cut out for this, Joe. Neither am I. But God wants us to go. And maybe you've just been disobedient and said, Lord, I'm not going. There's grace for that, guys, but that's a dangerous spot to be in. Because God, all he wants us to do is hear from him and obey. Hear from him and obey. I'm telling you guys, being on this side, it's the most abundant, amazing life that there is. He literally says, in me you have life and abundantly. I'll, I'll end with this story. Imagine... Imagine you're a dog, and you have awesome owners, you're loved, but imagine that for 20 hours out of the 24-hour day, you had to sit in a cage, and you had to stay there, you had to live there, and you only got let out four hours of the day. You are existing, but you're not living. There's a difference. Those dogs are not happy. They're here. They're just going about their time. They're just, they're just wasting away until they die. That's existing. Imagine living. Imagine 22 hours of the day. This dog is without a leash in this open pasture that he can run through, that he can enjoy. That's living. God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to just exist. He wants you to start that relationship with him so that your, your eyes, your heart, your mind will just be new so you can live. Are you existing or are you living today? After I pray, we're going to have this thing called the invitation and Ross is going to come and sing. And if God's calling you to do something, to make a decision, to step out in obedience, whatever that might be, if it's just prayer, something going on in your life. Maybe you want to join this church, but you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be tied down to these weird Baptists. Maybe God's calling you home for the first time. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I surrender to you because of the amazing gift that you gave for me on the cross. You defeated death for me. Guys, that's what this is all about. I want to pray with you if if you want to make that decision today. God is bigger than our excuses. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for saving me seven years ago when I thought I was good. 
when I thought I was a Christian. God, you you changed the trajectory of my life, and I know there's so many in this room that you want to do the same thing with. Maybe you have done it. Thank you for that moment, God. But I pray that there's some of us in here that we've been living in step one for 30, 40, 50 years. And it's time to step out in obedience to God's mission where he wants to use, you want to use us to help set people free through your spirit. God, thank you for being bigger than our limitations and our excuses that we give you every single day where we deserve to just be cut off. But you say, no, I want to use you. You're my child. I made you new. I want to use you to help save other people. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.